Philippians. Great. Good morning, everybody. Oh, you're an enthusiastic bunch. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. It's really great to finally be here with you. And on behalf of my wife, Rachel, and our kids, Grace, Reuben, and Matthew, I just want to say a massive thank you to the session of this church, Phil Hills, the IELT, and in fact, all of you for giving us the incredible opportunity to become part of your fellowship and the privilege of being able to stand with you as, as together we start to take, continue to take the work of God forward in this church. We really do pray as a family we can add value to the terrific work that is and already has been going on in this church over many years. It's great to be here with you. Personally, I'm really excited to be part of the staff team here. I'm really looking forward to working with Davey, and I think all of you will agree with me when I say he has done an outstanding job here in this church over the past number of months. Both of us look forward to working with Phil Hills. I've known Phil for a, a number of years now, and I think what he is doing for this church in this moment in time is remarkable and shows a lot and says a lot about his heart for you. I think that's wonderful. And then with Jock, Amy coming back next year, a new senior pastor coming, sure, it just gets better, doesn't it? And uh, this is a, a, a dream team to be part of. And of course, as a church, we're all a big team together, aren't we? And we will look forward to getting to know you. Please put up with us as we start to get to know your names. That one's going to take a while. So don't be offended if we have to ask you five or six or 20 times, sorry, what's your name again? Because that will happen. But we can't wait to get to know you. And want to thank those who have already gone out of their way to welcome us into the church family here at Dundonald. One of the most important cultures in any church is its welcoming culture, and what way in which you have welcomed us says an awful lot, so thank you for that. I have to say, you're a good-looking bunch of people. (laughs) Turn to the person beside you and say, see you, you look fantastic. Lovely. Do you know, I always love to, to, to throw out something like that and see the different reactions. There are the people who respond enthusiastically, some a little bit too enthusiastically. And uh, then there's the polar opposite, the people that don't budge. But, but this gentleman here, what's your name, sir? Nobody's sitting beside him. Let's turn to Brian and say, you look fantastic. Don't you? you look fantastic. Well, here, I'm telling you again, you look fantastic today. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, so I, I hope you'll indulge me. Uh, jo- uh, come on up, Chip. He's going to do me a, a wee favor today. We want to take your photo, okay? You can fix your hair if you want there. And um, this, is, this is for three reasons. First of all, because you look fantastic. Secondly, we want to take your photo because this is our first Sunday here. And what I would like is something that in years to come, I can look back on and give thanks to God for each of you and also praise him for how he's taken us from this moment to where he will take us and how he will have grown, developed and built this church. And, okay. and thirdly, I'd like a wee photo for Facebook too. All right. So if we could all stand, let's all stand together. And this is one of these really impressive cameras. It has a panoramic view on it. So, so, so Chip, 
<laughs> so Chip's going to start over here, and he's going to go like that, and it's going to get you all in, okay? So you tell us when you're ready to start, Chipman, and try and look like you're happy to be in church, okay? Tell, tell him I have to stay, stay still, otherwise it might look as if I have two heads on Facebook. There's a great, that's a, that's a great point. Nice and still, okay? Three, right, two, two, one. Two, one. Here we go all the way around. Look at this. Yeah, slow down, slow down. Fantastic. Check you out. You all look great. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Wow. I'm glad, I'm glad we get one. This will be over and done with. <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much. Okay. Great. So thank you for indulging me there. That's great. And uh, apparently I have to preach this morning, so we better get on with that. And uh, I've really been looking forward to this and I've been thinking quite a lot about what to say to you. But it was really only over the last few weeks as I've been reading through the book of Ecclesiastes that I felt some sort of freedom and, and, and guidance. And this morning's talk is called Pursuing More. Pursuing More. And if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, probably uh, the most famous scripture in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we'll start reading at verse 1. This is God's inspired word. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to heal, a kill, and a time to heal, a time to build up, and a time to break down, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also he, God, has put eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken away from it. God does it that men should fear before him. Amen. And we know that God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. Ecclesiastes is a fascinating book. There's quite a, a bit of debate around in terms of who wrote it, and some of that is understandable. But as the author describes himself as the king of Jerusalem, the son of David, someone who wrote Proverbs and one who was gaining in wisdom beyond all others in Israel, that's enough for me to believe that Solomon wrote this book. And it's included, in course, what we, we term as wisdom literature in the Old Testament. And in this book, Solomon undertakes an honest search to tackle one of the most fundamental issues at the core of humanity. The need to find meaning and significance in life. Now, 
There are some out there who have a, a fatalistic view of life, but I like to think that most people want to know who they are, why they're here, and, and, and what their lives will actually amount to. So Solomon looks at life, uh, perhaps through the lenses of his own mistakes, and all he can see is vanity, meaninglessness. Now, he certainly studied life with high expectations, but then repeatedly bemoaned its shortcomings and the meaninglessness of trying to find ultimate value and meaning in the fleeting gains of life. There has to be more. He tried to find meaning and purpose in his work. In chapter 2, verse 4, he says, I built great houses, planted vineyards, made gardens, orchards, water pools, and so on. His, his work created this opulent lifestyle and surroundings. But he couldn't find ultimate value and purpose in it. What was it all for, Solomon thought? You know, I spent all my days working, building up and tearing down. And, but naked I came into this world and naked I'm going to leave it. What was all that about in between? What was the ultimate purpose of it all? There has to be more. Then he tried to find meaning and purpose in his wealth, and he had plenty of it. Chapter 2, verse 8, he says, I gathered all the silver and gold and treasures of kings and provinces. He could buy anything that he wanted, and he did. Chapter 2.10, whatever my eyes desired, I did not withhold from them. But again, what was the point in amassing all of that wealth? He thought, I've worked hard to get all this money, but naked I came into this world, and naked I'm going to leave it. He knew that his end would be exactly the same as the poor man's end. Death, from that point of view, is a great equalizer, isn't it? And then someone would come along and spend all his hard-earned cash. What was it all for? Vanity, all is vanity. Now, don't get me wrong, because Solomon wasn't anti-work, and he he wasn't anti-money. In fact, chapter 9, verse 10, he says, Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. He was just bemoaning the efforts of people to try and find ultimate value and purpose in them. There has to be more. He tried to find meaning and purpose and wisdom and, and understood the importance of gaining knowledge. But he was aware that naked he came into the world and like the fool, as he termed it, naked, he would leave it. There has to be more. What about pleasure, friendship, justice, honor, and diligence? No. Important as all those things are, Solomon couldn't find ultimate value and meaning in them. What would they ultimately amount to? There has to be more. And Solomon could just see that people immersed themselves in these pursuits. The sun would rise every day. People would get up to relentlessly pursue value and meaning in things. The sun would go down. People would go back to sleep and get up the next day to do it all over again. And Solomon says, a generation rises up A generation passes away. Another generation rises up and they continue that pursuit. It's almost like this endless merry-go-round of pursuit to try and find value in things and stuff that doesn't provide ultimate satisfaction. Here we are 3,000 years later and there's nothing new under the sun and most of the world is still on that merry-go-round of pursuit. There has to be more. And we read together in chapter 3, where where Solomon poetically outlines the headline moments in this journey. Birth, death, building, tearing down, weeping, laughing, gain, loss, silence, noise, love, hate, war, and peace. What's it all about? Naked we come into the world, naked 
we'll leave it. There has to be more. And then at the very end of his book, he reveals the more. In chapter 12, 13, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The wisest man to live in the face of this earth. He says, let us hear the conclusion of this matter. How do we find ultimate purpose and value in life? Here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. There has to be more, folks. And the more is found in the purposes of God. That's where it's found, the purposes of God. Fear God and keep his commandments, his purposes for us. Do we want to find ultimate value in life? It can only be found in the purposes of God. Why? Because God is eternal. You and I, we're created in his image. The Bible says that he's put eternity in our hearts. And that's why living for the temporal can never satisfy because God's made us for so much more. And ultimately, value and meaning are found in his purposes. Or as Solomon put it, when we fear God and we keep his commandments. And when we have him as our focus, when he is the goal, then everything we have, everything we amass in this life takes on greater significance. Because our work then becomes our worship to God. And in that worship, we influence others for eternity. Our money becomes his and it's used for his purposes. Our knowledge, our friendships, our desire for justice, it's all given to him. It's done for him. It's done on to him. Because eternity is in our hearts. And chapter 314 says, whatever God does lasts forever. That's where the value is. So are we looking for more in our lives Are we Christians who maybe acknowledge God but find ourselves in that merry-go-round of pursuit like the rest of the world does and focused in the wrong way? Sometimes even as Christians, when we think we're sincerely focused, we can get it wrong because what happens is we start to, to read our Bibles and pray and get involved in church, which is all excellent. But what happens then is that we start to look to those activities for purpose. And they become ends in themselves and we tick boxes every day to say, I've done my quiet time or my Christian thing today and... The fact is, they're not the end. That's meaningless to think about those activities, reading our Bibles as the end. Those activities are catalysts to connect us with the more, with God and his purposes. So what are these thoughts, what have they got to do with us today? Well, I think these truths from one of the wisest people they've ever lived and the inspired word of God remind us afresh today what, as a church, we should be about the purposes of God. That's where we're going to find meaning. That's where we're going to find value. And the scripture we read starts like this. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. That's so true. And folks, this is our time. This is our moment. This is our season. And it's going to pass by quickly. And what we don't want to do is get obsessed in that merry-go-round of pursuit that the rest of the world is on or get caught up in bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. I know, I know this church has been through so much over this year and and as part of the pastoral team, I am here for any of you that want to talk, but as a fellowship, we need to move on. We need to move on and not become obsessed with other stuff because this is our season. This is our moment. And we want to keep our focus on the more, God and his purposes. And the whole way through this talk, the declaration has been made, there has to be more. And I'm telling you this morning, there is more, so much more. And there's nothing new under the sun. 
Nothing new under the sun. God and his purposes are all, have always been the same and they always will be. And what are his purposes or his commandments? As Solomon puts it, well, I believe his purposes are simple. And it's this, that every single one of us, with every bit of passion we have, all seek to love him more, love each other more, and love the communities that we're part of more. They're the greatest commandments, aren't they? Love God and love our neighbor, the greatest purposes. And that's the vision I have for my ministry with you. I want to do everything I can to encourage us as we all love God more, love each other more, and love the communities we're part of more. Yes, there'll be strategies in terms of how we do that, but everything we do should be measured against the purposes of God. Is what we're doing here going to help us love God, each other, and the communities we're part of more? Because if it isn't, then we need to change that. Because it's only going to expend energy and waste time, and we're not going to find value in it. Solomon said in Proverbs, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's only the Lord's purposes that prevail. So we don't go in and get distracted and the merry-go-round of pursuit. The message of Ecclesiastes is this, to find our ultimate value and purpose, it's through loving God, or it's through the purposes of God, loving him more, loving each other more in our communities. My family wants to join this church, wants to join with you as we all pursue more as we pursue the purposes of God together. We're not here to mark time. We're not here to maintain any status quo. We're here because we feel there's a body of believers here who want more. There are people here who are hungry for the purposes of God. And that is brilliant. And the most important part in pursuing the purposes of God is the pursuit of God himself. That's the greatest commandment. Love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you want more of God in your life? I know I desperately want and need that. I desperately want and need more of God in my life. Please don't be content with where you are in your journey with God because there's always more. There's always more to pursue and we can never exhaust his resources. And please don't be put off this pursuit because of a sense of failure or a sense of guilt or shame in our lives. All this morning, the worship has been about the grace of God and in the grace of God, we find more. If you're struggling this morning and you think God couldn't love you, remember this, at the cross, we find love greater than our greatest sin. No matter what it is, at the cross, we find love greater than our greatest sin. This pursuit is for all of us. His arms are open wide, and that's what the table beautifully this morning reminds us about. But do you know what? We need to go in this pursuit together. We need to go on it together. We need each other's help. We need each other's support. We don't want to or have to travel alone. And it's so important at the start of this, another church calendar year, all the announcements, everything's kicking off. It's a busy, busy place. But at the start of this calendar year in the church, we need to pull together like never before and pursue his purposes. Because in that togetherness, we'll find strength, we'll find acceptance, we'll find love, everything we need. What a blessing to be able to pursue God through all the different seasons that Solomon outlines in, in, in chapter three, that we can support each other through thick and thin, through the good and the bad, through the spiritual revival and the spiritual drought, that no matter what season we have, we find that heart and that love within us to, 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 to really be there and support each other and continue, no matter what we're going through, to pursue more, the purposes of God. And how can we do this? Well, here's one great way. There's many ways, but here's one great way. 
through prayer. Prayer is the key to revival. It's the key to an authentic relationship with God. Next Sunday morning, as Phil outlined, along with that inspiration to pursue more of God through his word, we're going to think about pursuing more of God through prayer. But we don't need to wait the next Sunday because we can pursue him every day of our lives through prayer. Absolutely. But in terms of pursuing God together, there's a challenge this morning. Because if we're serious about this, and I honestly believe we are, if we're serious about this, then we need to make this togetherness work. And we need to make the midweek prayer and Bible study the most important meeting in this church outside of what we do here as we worship God together. It needs to become a priority for all of us. I, I don't know what your prayer lives are like, but here's the crack for me, and I'm happy to be vulnerable with you. My prayer life could be an awful lot better. <laughs> and there's something in me believes the meeting together with you can help me in my prayer life individually and maybe vice versa as we all pray together. We want to really focus on Wednesday nights and, and, and commit to making now a special meeting for us all where we join together in that with fresh ideas and there's lots of things we're going to share over the next few months that are going to be happening. But we want you to join with us as we, we tighten those nights up and do things differently but with prayer at the heart of it all. We can't pursue God without prayer. And, and this Wednesday, I, I'm going to be leading the prayer time and, and all that's on the agenda that night is the pursuit of God. The pursuit of God. So please, let's step up. Let's put a marker in the sand and say, yeah, I need to step up to that. I'm going to get the childminders organized this afternoon. Let's pursue God together. Young people, it'd be great to see all age groups there. But there's something we think we need uh, all the young people to be along at this. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And there's something in his beliefs that this journey will be so much more meaningful if you, if all of us are there together. Let's say this is our season, it's our moment, and we're going to step up and see that the most important thing is the purposes of God and pursue them together. Do you know, as I finish here, it, it, it's lovely for us to finally be here with you, and our prayer is that this would be the start of an, an exciting, authentic, who wants a bit more reality, of an authentic and meaningful journey, a time for us to pursue the purposes of God, or as Solomon puts it, fear God and keep his commandments, a time to love him more, love each other more, and love the communities that we're part of more. And that's it. So Ecclesiastes reminds us as we start out on this new church season that we're all to be about the purposes of God and find value and meaning. That's where it will be found. So let's go on this journey together. We hope to see you all on Wednesday night. Turn to the person beside you and say, I'll see you on Wednesday night. Great. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, if some of you need to, to pray for forgiveness for telling the wee lie there, you can do it after we finish. But we'll hope you didn't and we'll hope you're sincere about it and there'll be plenty of room for us all and we'll just keep this pursuit of God and we'll do it all together. The worship team are, are going to join me but on the stage, but I just want to give you a few minutes to respond in your heart in terms of what maybe God has been saying to you today. So let's all, all close our eyes together. And just as we, we bow our heads, put up your hand if you want more of God in your life.
course you do. Of course we all do. Most of the hands in the room are absolutely up. Every believer here today, whether God feels like he's a, a million miles away from us, which he isn't, or whether he feels closer to us than our very breath, which he is, every one of us wants to know God more. So why don't you take a minute, maybe for the first time in quite a while, but why don't you take a few moments just in the quietness of your own heart, just with a little bit of musical padding in the background to just tell God you want more of him in your life. Just in the quietness of your heart and make that settled decision about the challenge regarding the midweek, regarding the journey that we're all going to go on together. Put the marker in the sand today and determine in your heart, determine in your spirit and say, I want more of God in my life. Do it just in the quietness of your own heart now in the way in which you want to. Maybe you're here today and you're on that merry-go-round of pursuit like the rest of the world and your life is just going round in circles and you just know that you need more in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Or maybe your walk would maybe be determined as a, a backslider. And when I use that term, I don't mean that you haven't read your Bible in a week or that you said a bad word yesterday. I mean that your, your life used to be focused on God, but it's miles away from where it should be now. Lord, your grace, thank you. And what I, I just want to do, I don't know any of you here, but I just want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And I'll just very quickly throw this out. If you're here and you're not a Christian, God loves you. We've been thinking about that all throughout this service and what Jesus did for us on the cross. And all that love he wants to pour into your life like a flood. He wants to transform your life in the way that he's transforming ours. So if you're here tonight and you're a backslider or, or this morning you're a backslider or you're not a Christian, you'd like to make that commitment, young to the most senior person, if you are, just lift your hand quickly and let me see it. Mm. Oh, Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love, your acceptance of us, Lord. Do you know, Solomon is a close. Solomon said there's a season for everything. And I've said this is our season, this is our moment. And do you know what? There's two Saul's in the Bible. And one of them was King Saul and he came to the end of his life. And do you know what he said? Is it, some of the last recorded words we have of his are this. I have played the fool. How horrible to get to the end of your life and know that you've blown it, you've missed it, you've played the fool. There's another soul in the Bible who became Paul and some of the last recorded words we have of him are, I have fought the good fight and have finished the race and now there is a crown in heaven for me and I know that no matter where we feel we are in God today, what every Christian here would like to say when they get to the end, when they meet the Lord, I know which one of those statements would all want to say we've run a good grace. So the challenge today is grace of God accepts us the way we are. Let's do this. Let's do it together. Let's run together. Let's find meaning and purpose in our journeys as we pursue more the purposes of God. And the most important pursuit in that is the one of God himself. Amen.
lovely. Thank you for listening so well. And the worship team are going to close our service together. Thank you.